Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome again to the Legion of Sports. I'm Chase Williams. I'll let you guys introduce yourselves again. I'm Harrison Klein. And I'm Jake Anthony. You know, last episode of 2019, we want to do something a little bit different. I mean, we had a good week in sports, but we really want we want to wrap up the whole year. So we're gonna we're gonna do a year in review, and we're gonna pretty much be talking about our teams um, of the year in each category: college football, college basketball, MLB, NBA, NFL. I think we have athlete of the year, moment of the year, but this should be a pretty quick episode. Um, we're just really trying to wrap up this year and have one last fun episode for you guys. We're going to kick off with college football. I think we are all probably have the same team for this one. Um, the Clemson Tigers coming off a championship undefeated this year. Top five quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, top five quarter, uh, top five coach, excuse me. And um, Dabo Sweeney, they have a great defense. Really, nobody left all that much for the NFL. It's hard to argue against this team. There are better teams that are playing at a higher level than them right now, maybe. But this team just overall throughout the year, they're coming off a national championship. It's hard to argue against an undefeated team this year that won the championship last year. How do you guys feel about it? Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Coming off that championship game against Alabama last year where they absolutely dominated against them. And they were underdogs, too. I forgot about that. Yeah, and they just, I mean, they made Tua look bad, and Trevor Lawrence had a great game, too. And then what they've been able to do this year, almost under the radar a little bit, but still they're going to be the three seed in the playoff and might not be the favorites, but definitely as a whole in 2019, the best college football team. Yeah, I agree. They're... They haven't been completely dominant this year, but and their lack of strength of schedule is alarming, but they are the three seed, like you said, and they are fresh off a national championship. So I would agree that Clemson is the college football um, national team of the year. All right, so that was pretty quick. Now we're going to bring it over to college basketball and talk about our team of the year in that sport. So for me, I had the Virginia Cavaliers just because of what they were able to do last year in the tournament where – they won the national championship and almost felt like a team of destiny where in the Elite Eight, the Final Four, and in the national championship, they were in close games and it took big shots like against Purdue in the Elite Eight. They had a buzzer beater to send it to overtime, won it there. Against Auburn, they were down, I think it was four or five with only a number of seconds left, somehow came back to win it there. And then the national championship hit a big shot with about 20 seconds left. So just a team of destiny there. And then they're a top 10 team again this year. Looking good, another dominant defense. So, for me, they're the best team in 2019 in college basketball. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Tony Bennett's done a great job, and they finally got through and got out of their tournament slump. Um, in 2018, they were the overall number one seed, and they lost in the first round to the number 16 um, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. So, we see them finally break through this last year, and as Harrison said, they're a top 10 team again, and they, I would agree that Virginia is the team of the year for college basketball. Yeah, UVA is hard to argue against. That's also why I had. Um, they win with defense, very old-fashioned. I love that. Tony Bennett, another top-five coach. And the thing that really impresses me is they don't have anyone. that They don't have a Zion. They don't have R.J. Barrett. They don't have Kobe White. They don't have any of these freak, just, like, top-five athletes. They just play well. Team chemistry is there. And they're kind of boring to watch at times, but they're also fun to watch because of how they play together. And granted, like we're talking about game uh, moment of the year later, but that Purdue Virginia game did come to mind for me for that one. That one was a great one. Um, but yeah, I think this is no doubt about like the college teams were pretty easy this year. Yeah, Both the champions to- still playing well this year. Hard to argue against either of them. Yeah. yeah, tough to argue for the college teams. I would agree. And so next, we're gonna move on to the MLB team of the year. And for me, I picked the um, Washington Nationals. They, at watching the uh, MLB playoffs, it was kind of assumed that the ALCS was the World Series, but we saw the Nationals come in and they pulled off the underdog win and they really fought this Astros team to a great seven-game series. Um, baseball, it's a difficult time of year, so we only have one season to debate about. So they're coming fresh off a national championship, and I would s- it would be hard to debate against them. 100% agree. Um, not much of a baseball fan here. I mean, I do enjoy baseball, but I'm not very deep into it like I am basketball or football. So therefore, I also pick the Nationals. Um, really, when it looks at it, like, I mean, they came from the wild card. At one point, I know they were like nine games out of the playoffs. Like, granted, that was in May. They lost Bryce Harper, and they come in, they win this championship. And then just a few days ago, they re-signed Steven Strasburg, which... 
Now, granted, I think that was kind of expected, but I mean, that's a big deal. Like, you have to sign your ace back, and that's exactly what they did, or at least one of their aces. And they just overall played really well, really shocked me as a very casual fan. And um, for that reason, I just I couldn't give it to anyone else. I mean, honestly, both the Astros and the Yankees kind of have to look at this year as like failures because they did not win that World Series, especially when people thought it was going to be a cakewalk for the American League team. And it wasn't. So the Nationals are an easy pick for me. Yeah. So for me, I also went with the Nationals. Definitely tough. Uh, it was it was a tough decision for me just because on paper the Astros were definitely a better team, a much better lineup, pitching. I mean they had three aces as I mean as well as the Nationals did as well. But the Astros are being talked about as maybe a top five or ten team all time, and then for them to lose in the World Series was pretty crazy to see. But I, I talked about it with Virginia. They also were just kind of a team of destiny in the wild card game. They were down. I think it was three to nothing going into the eighth inning, and then Juan Soto gets a big hit to give them the lead. Then game, game five of the NLDS against the Dodgers on the road. They're down by two, and then they get two home runs from their stars, Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto against Clayton Kershaw, who has had struggles in the postseason but is still a top pitcher in the league. And then a grand slam from Howie Kendrick in the top of the 10th, I believe it was, in that game to send them to the NLCS. And then in the World Series, they had to go back to Houston and win two games. They won game six, and then game seven, again, they were down, I think, Two nothing at one point, and then again, Howie Kendrick plays hero, gets the big home run off the foul pole, and then they kind of ran away with that game late. But they were definitely a team of destiny. Yeah, and one more point to add on that, like Harrison mentioned, they just had some stars that emerged on that team that we really just didn't expect. Juan Soto was not someone that we expected to take over the MLB this postseason, and like Anthony Rendon was not at the top tier that he is now and he's going to get paid like that in this coming offseason so just some stars that really emerged from this team that we weren't expecting I I completely agree with that I mean as I mentioned very casual baseball fan um did not know Juan Soto before the World Series not gonna lie pretty much forgot about him as soon as it was over but like you're right he I mean he was a key piece but overall these these were the three easy sports for us now I think we'll get a little bit a little bit of a mix starting off with the NBA I think I think we all know it's down between two or three teams for the most part. For me, it's the Clippers, surprisingly. A team that was only the eighth <laughs> seed, got eliminated in the first round last year. But that's the thing. At the trade deadline in February of 2019, they traded away Tobias Harris, which was their all-star or borderline all-star um, top scorer. Really was what people knew the Clippers for. And then they made the jump from the 10 to the eighth seed, gave the Warriors one of the best teams, like definitely at this point, we're going to call that a dynasty. The Warriors had a dynasty, um, gave the Warriors some troubles, took them to six, had them. What was it? I think it was um, game two that they came back from down like 34, 39. And um, that game was amazing. That's another moment of the year possibility. And then, yeah, granted they lost. And then this off season, what they did signing Kawhi, bringing him home and then trading for PG, which was really the big thing. Trading for Paul George was such a move. I remember I was on a plane back from Japan, and granted, I knew Kawhi was going to sign while I was in the air, which just absolutely killed me. And I saw the first thing I see is Paul George traded to the Clippers. I was like, I knew that meant Kawhi was there. And just everything just it blew me away, especially with that trade. Granted, they did give up a lot in Gallinari, and Shea and first rounders but like that trade was still perfect for both sides it worked out so well Paul George got to where he wanted to be in Los Angeles and the Clippers still kept an identity around defense I mean they have Patrick Beverly Montrez Harrell I mean Rodney McGrew gets inconsistent minutes. he's a defensive guy I mean you look up and down that whole roster it's a bunch of defensive guys and now they have the offense too I mean Paul George is a walking bucket I would say he's one of the best scorers in the NBA right now. I mean, Kawhi, obviously, deadly. Not known for his offense as much as his defense, but that's just because his defense is what carried him to starlight against LeBron James. I think it's hard to argue against this team, but also, granted, they didn't win a championship. But for, for me, you can also look at the future, and it's like it's hard to argue. They did everything right. They blew people's minds last year. They're playing really well right now, and they had an offseason. Their executives did great. They have three very good grades where some teams maybe don't have that, and that's why I had to pick the Clippers. 
All right, so I think that's a pretty good pick. It, for them, it was, or for me, it was between the Clippers and the Raptors, and I ended up going with the Raptors because of what they were what they were able to do last year. Obviously, winning the uh, NBA Finals, and then this year they're still sixteen and seven. They're fifth in the East, so they're still a very good team. But I mean, definitely last year with Kawhi Leonard, obviously taking down the Warriors, and I mean, he was someone that on the Spurs we didn't really know what the deal was with him, only playing about twelve games a season before. So we weren't sure if he was totally healthy. He got load managed all year pretty much, not playing many games. But in the playoffs, took his game to another level. And I think it made people realize that if he's not the best player in the league, he's top two or three without a doubt with his combination of offense and defense. And he really led that team and took down a Warriors team that made it to the finals five straight years, winning three of them. And, you know, he changed he changed the league and, and the – you know, what's going to happen the next years with Durant obviously leaving. And, I mean, we see what the Warriors are doing right now with four or five wins. So he took down that dynasty, and I think the Raptors were the best team in the NBA this year. He put that dynasty on pause. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. But pick. yeah, it could be insane. So for me, um, I also picked the Los Angeles Clippers, and only because in their first um, – first round game or first round series against the Warriors as Chase mentioned they played a healthy Hampton fine lineup Hampton five lineup um, and took them to six games he outlined it before where they traded for Paul George and then signed Kawhi Leonard and kept that same roster they're the second in the west right now and I think that they between them and the Lakers have a serious shot in the crowded western conference right now and have the ability to win a championship they didn't come off a championship like the Raptors did in the last NBA season, but I think that, as Chase mentioned earlier, they really have a blueprint for a championship this year, and their moves in the offseason were just phenomenal for them, and they built a championship roster. You know, I'm kind of surprised no one picked the Warriors. I'm not necessarily surprised, but, like, obviously they're a team up there. They made some good moves in the offseason, even though, like, obviously it's not working out because of injuries. I'm just curious really quick from you guys – was the reason the Warriors weren't really up in your mind because of A, because they lost the championship, or B, because they look so bad right now? Just because of what, what's happening this year. I mean, with no Kevin Durant, he left for the Nets, obviously, and then Clay Thompson's been hurt, or he has a torn ACL, so he's out for the year, and then Steph hasn't played. I, I mean, obviously it's injuries, but just with how bad they've looked, they weren't really in consideration for me. Yeah, I think that... The injuries obviously added to it and were a huge factor. And without them, I think they were the NBA championships this past season and my team of the year. But the injuries really took them off the market for team of the year this season because they're not available to play and they won't be playing in this upcoming season. And they're, like we've been seeing, aren't in contention at all this year. Yep. So it I considered a little bit, but they were nowhere close to the off season and the year that the Clippers had, in my opinion. Okay, so yeah, I was kind of thinking the same, especially when you look at them like compared to the last few seasons. They have not had like if they they've been at A plus quality, let's say, and this year they dropped down to like A minus in 2019. Obvious, I think if they don't get injured, you're right. I think they win the championship. Let's say the off season stays the same. They lose a lot of their bench, but they make that move for D'Lo. They get D'Angelo Russell get something out of Kevin Durant and let's say they play decent. I'm not expecting them to be a top two seed if they were healthy anyways, but they're in the playoff race. I think then there's an argument because they retooled really well. That's really impressive what their front office did, but I kind of expected that. I think it's a mixture of everything. It's, it's tough to see even though it's hard to like the Warriors because of how dominant they have been. But, like, it kind of hurts me to see how far they dropped off, for sure. So I wanted to comment real quick on the excellence of Jerry West because we saw he built the Lakers teams of the 1980s and in the early 2000s when they had Shaq and Kobe. And then he went to Memphis, made them a playoff team, and we saw what he did in Golden State from 2011 to 2017. And then not even two years of him being in the building, they land the two stars and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in Los Angeles for the Clippers. And I just, obviously he's not the only person making these moves and pulling them off. And there's a lot going on behind the scenes, but he is just really incredible that yeah. he's in all of these different buildings. The Warriors were a great dynasty and the Clippers are going to do something special in this next Clearly decade. he deserves a lot of credit for yes. what he's done. Yeah. I mean, there's no way that he isn't a big part of this. If you'd look at his trailer, I agree. I totally agree. 
So next we want to talk about the NFL team of the year. So for me, I've got the New Orleans Saints. So we all remember what happened last year with the uh, the no pass interference call in the NFC Championship game. So, I mean, I think they would have at, they obviously would have at least made the Super Bowl last year if not for that call. Maybe win it. And then this year, they're 10-3 and this season. They're, they're still Super Bowl contenders. They're right up there as one of my top five teams in the league. They had a great game this week. This weekend against the 49ers, obviously they lost, but they still have Drew Brees, they still have Michael Thomas, still have Kamara, even though he hasn't been as good this year. Still have a very good defense. So I just think overall this has been the the most consistently great team from early 2019 in the playoffs to through right now where we stand in this NFL season. I have to disagree only because despite the tough call that the Saints suffered, they did not make it to the Super Bowl, and so my team of the year would be the Patriots. We see we've seen them struggle um, this season in um, the 2019-2020 season. They are still the two seed in the AFC, but they have lost three of the last five, and there is a little bit of concern there. But in my personal opinion, having them only lose to the other top three teams in the AFC, they shouldn't be that concerned. And I think that coming off of their Super Bowl win. They are my NFL team of the year, and I just think that Bill Belichick gives them such an advantage in the playoffs, despite their lack of talent on the roster. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was thinking about the Patriots, but in the end, I went with the 49ers, actually, which is probably, a lot of people are looking at me like, what are you doing right now? With Jimmy Garoppolo being injured, they didn't have a chance at the playoffs last year, so I think it's hard to, like, talk about too much about last year for them but with the moves they made trading for Emmanuel Sanders their defense's emergence um, possibly getting Odell Beckham Jr. now granted that really didn't go too much into what I was thinking about I just find that really interesting and really enjoyed reading about that this week Um, the way Jimmy Garoppolo's played um, the way that whole defense has played just the way they came onto the scene it's so hard and I think it's very easy to be like, oh, that was a stupid pick if they don't make the Super Bowl. But, like, granted, if people – if they make the Super Bowl the, in June, the ESPYs will be saying they were NFL Team of the Year, no doubt about it. I think it's very interesting just how they've done everything, and I really enjoyed it personally. So they've been fun to watch. It's hard for me to pick against them. Patriots probably would have been my pick until they've fallen apart recently. I didn't pick the Ravens because – I mean, the Ravens were all right last year, but really, I mean, I just, they weren't anywhere near contention. Um, The Rams have been doo-doo these off and on this year. The Saints were very hard for me not to pick as well because I enjoy watching the Saints. But really, there's no team that, besides the Saints and the Patriots, I think it were really consistent last year, really consistent this year. So I think with what the Niners have done and the way they toured their roster, we weren't even thinking about them at the beginning of the season. That's just, it's so hard not to pick them for me. Yeah, I, mean, I definitely, I just want to say quickly, I, I like the 49ers a lot. And I said it here last week on the podcast that I really do think that they're Super Bowl contenders this year. I don't see why they can't win it. And with how good or how well Garoppolo has been playing, these last three or four weeks and what he was able to do in New Orleans this week shows that they're as legit as anyone and can really win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I would agree. You guys had some very interesting picks, but for me, the Patriots, their Super Bowl win just capped that off because we haven't seen the playoffs so far this year. So that's just fresh in my memory. Um, Now we're going to go on to the athlete of the year. And for me, um, I had Kawhi Leonard mainly because for two, two reasons. One, his championship last year in Toronto, highly unlikely. Nobody really saw that as, I mean, the East was kind of open last year, and we had the Warriors on the other side in the Western Conference, and they seemed to be destined for a championship. And then we saw his impact on free agency. There were so many big names in the 2019 free agent class, and nobody really talked to them even half the amount of time that they spent talking about Kawhi Leonard. Because as soon as Kawhi Leonard chose where to go, there was about four or five dominoes throughout the league that led to so many different things, including the Thunder now in a rebuild rebuild mode, Russell Wilson, I mean, Russell Westbrook (laughs) now on the Houston Rockets, and just really... Also, here's something I don't think people think about. Anthony Davis might not be on the Lakers if this does not happen. Yeah, they he just really 
took control of the NBA, and obviously LeBron is still has that dominant force, and we see that in the season so far this year. But Kawhi Leonard, for me, just did it all last year and won that championship and just really like dominated the media throughout the summer. You know, Harrison, I'm going to let you go next because I'm having some very last-second change of heart, and I might be bringing out a very surprising um, athlete of the year candidate here in a second. So I'll let you go real quick. All right. So I'm going to agree with Jake here. I also pick Kawhi Leonard for one, what I was saying earlier, how he was able to take down the Warriors and go on that great postseason run. He also had that game winner against the Sixers in the uh, conference semifinals. And then also just building off what Jake said, obviously, I, I agree with everything, how he set off a big chain of events in the NBA where it was him winning the finals. And then we saw all the pieces just crumble after that. And, and, I mean, we, we, it's such a different NBA this year where everyone knew it would be the Warriors and then some other team, but now no one knows what's going to happen. And the world was just waiting on where was Kawhi Leonard going to sign. And once we saw he signed, then we see the Paul George trade from the Thunder to the Clippers, and then we see Westbrook traded. So now the Rockets get even better, and then we see the Thunder, who this team for at least the last seven, eight, nine years have been uh, always in the playoffs. And, I mean, until the last few years pretty much have been – legit NBA Finals contenders, and now they're going to be in rebuild mode for the next at least four, five, six years. So he's definitely my athlete of the year just because of what he was able to do last season and then just the impact we saw it make, the impact he made over the summer. This was a really bad choice by me. I went into, before you were talking, I had two candidates, now I have three. (laughs) I'm just going to walk this through. Immediately, I picked Patrick Mahomes just because he was great last year. Um and he's been really good this year. He's been super underrated this year, in my opinion, just because of injuries. I mean, he's going to be the NFL's first $200 million man. He's got such a future. His arm is crazy. But granted, they're 9-4 and four this year. He looked more less unstoppable during the playoffs, which happened during 2019. Most of his amazingness happened during the 2018 year. So I kind of shied away against that. And – Ironically, you guys were talking about one guy that was on the Raptors last year, Kawhi Leonard. And part of the reason you picked him, though, was because of the move he made. I was thinking of another Raptor. Pascal Siakam came to mind. He, I was like, no, he's my athlete of the year because he took such a huge step. Granted, was he an all-star last year? I don't think he was. I don't believe so, no. I mean, he definitely deserved it, especially with the way he played in the playoffs. But um, he won. Um, he most won improved. Yeah, he won yeah. most impl- improved, which I think was very <coughs> deserving of him. He took the step, and now he's taking another giant step this year. He looks. He's looking like a border. Like he's an all star, no doubt, borderline superstar. If he makes the right steps, he's reminding <laughs> me of what Giannis has done. And so now I'm thinking Giannis too. So like I'm giving co co athlete of the year between Pascal Siakam and Giannis for totally different reasons. Because of how Pascal's developed over the last 365 days, I think he's very deserving. I think he has a great future. I think he's the reason the Raptors could retool and win another championship within five years. But I'm also going to give part of this to Giannis because he was dominant this year. I mean, they're on a 15-game win streak. They're 21-3 right now. They destroyed your guys' Athlete of the Year's team not that long ago in the Clippers, won by like 30 or 40 points. And Giannis is the reason behind this. They have a very a very well-rounded team around him and built for <coughs> him. But without him, n- none of those egos deserve all the credit they're getting besides maybe Chris Middleton. Eric Bledsoe is probably fading out of the NBA if it's not for this, in my opinion. Kyle Korver's overaged, um, the Lopez brothers, like who thought we'd be on the edge of 2020 and they would be putting in key minutes for NBA championship team. I think this is all because of Giannis. So I can't pick between those two. And if I had to lean, I would lean towards Giannis because he's there now. But I think in three or four years, we could see Pascal on the same level fighting for an MVP. He is on the MVP ladder right now. Like, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I think it's very underrated and a very questionable pick, but I I just I love Pascal Siakam is really what it comes down to. Yeah, I think Giannis, he he probably would have been my second or third choice for athlete of the year. He I mean, obviously the MVP last year, he's having another great season. 
like you said, 15 games in a row. And then also, I think Patrick Mahomes, if if it was NFL Player of the Year, I probably would have gone with him just because AFC Championship last year. And I know he missed three, I think it was three games this year with that knee injury. But after a game or two since coming back, he's looked great. And he took down the Patriots this week. So I think if it was NFL Player of the Year, I would have picked him. But I, I'm still sticking with Kawhi overall. So um, Chase's point about Siakam, the Raptors' success, and Giannis only made me think that Kawhi was the athlete of the year more. Only I can completely because, understand that. Only because of the impact and the dominance that he had on the entire NBA. We haven't seen something like that since LeBron made him move to the Heat, and there wasn't even that many top free agents in that class. So I don't think we've ever seen anything completely like this, where there's a player that wins a championship on a one-year trade deal for a team in an Eastern Conference is that, and then signs with the Western Conference team and makes them an immediate title contender. I don't think that that's ever been seen before in the NBA or any sports league. So for me, he's my athlete of the year. And to add on to the point about Giannis, um, he was the MVP last year. Um, but I don't think that Kawhi Leonard will ever win an MVP. I agree. Only because of his load management and yeah. the, the way that they treat him and the way that he treats himself during the season. But I think that he'll prove himself again this postseason. You give me two points there. I agree with your MVP comment and Kawhi right there. But I think when they're both retired, I think unless Giannis has a higher potential than Kawhi does. But if they're on the paths they look to be on now, I think we'll see Kawhi as two, three, or four on the all-time small forward list, and I think we'll see Giannis right behind him. Because I'm concerned, I am genuinely concerned Giannis will never get that jump shot and will never be able to totally dominate a game. And also, I think even though Giannis is more athletic and longer, Kawhi's defense, I think, is on a level above his, so I totally agree with your point there. And the other thing is, you saying that it, it staples Kawhi and more as your player. I understand that compared to Pascal Siakam because I think part of the reason Pascal Siakam is being looked at as this future superstar in my eyes is because he's got the work ethic of Kawhi, but he's learned a lot of that this year. I think there's no doubt about it. I think Kawhi was such a mentor to him, and he's more personal, personable, which makes it easier for me to like him. I used to dislike Kawhi quite yeah. a bit. He, he's not my athlete of the year, but I definitely see what you're talking about with Pascal Siakam. They're fifth in the East right now. Nobody, including myself, projected them to be that high. I thought they'd be outside or on the outside of the playoff race at this point in time. And they really have that same roster with the subtraction of Kawhi Leonard. And I just think that that championship culture helps. They've been there before. They know that they have the talent minus one player. And I would agree he's really on the rise and going to be something special. So last topic. Um, for us this year's moment of the year. And as we've talked, so many moments have came to mind. Uh, granted, like, I really, I remember being there watching that Elite Eight game of Virginia versus Purdue. Granted, I'm, I was not a Purdue fan, but I really enjoyed Carson Edwards. I really think high of him. I think someday he will get a break in the NBA and will become a very good player. Um, so I almost wanted to switch to that, kind of like I switched with Athlete of the Year. But as we come back to it, we talked a lot about the Patriots. We've talked a lot about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. That AFC Championship game, especially that second half, the Patriots come back in overtime. There's so many critical moments. Tom Brady being the GOAT he is. Patrick Mahomes played really well in that game. I mean, the defense shut him up a little bit in the second half, but, like, he was still very impressive. I mean, you think about D. Ford's iconic moment of being offsides. Like, that is just, like, I can picture it right now just in my head. I, I think that was just – it was a very good game, a very underrated game. And, I mean, there might have been better, like, choices that were, like, more entertaining, <coughs> but just – that was pretty much icy, especially that second half. Like, that second half is the true moment. And overtime is the moment of the year for me where pretty much it's like they were playing tug of war and finally the Chiefs tugged the Patriots pretty much all the way over and, like, saying, hey, we are the NFL future now. And then that second half, the Patriots just came fighting back and was like, we are still the dynasty. You guys are the little brother, the little cousin, whatever you want. Um and you're not on the same tier as us, and we're going to dominate. And just, like, I remember, granted, I really enjoy watching the Patriots. 
I can't call myself a Patriots fan anymore because of issues that Patriots have, like Spygate and Deflategate and all that stuff and whatever the heck's happening with the Bengals right now, which I haven't kept up with much. But they're still very fun to watch. And that second half was Brady and Belichick being classic Brady and Belichick. So I just I can't pick against it. So for me, I was deciding between a few moments. One of them, which is heartbreaking for me, was the Jose Altuve walk-off against the Yankees, which I still can't watch to this day and probably never will. And then another one that doesn't get a lot of recognition was the um, the Roger Federer, uh, Novak Djokovic, Wimbledon final this year that went like 13 uh, games in the final set, which was one of the best matches I've ever seen. But for me, it was the Tiger Woods winning the Masters this year. And this was also kind of personal for me just because I've always grown up and my dad has always been a huge Tiger fan since the 90s when he when he first came up. And so I've grown up as a huge Tiger fan myself. And just to see that downfall from him, I mean, since he didn't he hasn't won a major since 2008. And just to see everything that he's been through, all the tough times with the arrest as being one of them and all the injuries to see him finally come back. And last year he nearly won the open, the British open. And then this, and then he ended up winning a tournament at the end of last year. And then this year going to the masters and then competing for three days and then making that final push on that back nine to beat Molinari and all those other guys was really just a phenomenal moment for me. And one that I probably won't ever forget just seeing, just seeing how happy he was and his, and his kids and, you know, the whole sports world, just whether you're a Tiger fan or a golf fan or not, it seemed like everyone was rooting for him that day. Yeah, I really like that pick. The Tiger Woods was definitely a consideration of mine. Um, growing up, same thing, watching Tiger Woods wear the red shirt on Sunday. It was always on with the yeah. um, whatever tournament it happened to be. But for me, it was the Kawhi Leonard shot in the um, divisional game for uh, to beat the 76ers. Um, I talked about him as my athlete of the year. But if that shot doesn't go in, then they lose the game, and none of that happened. I think the Warriors were, were to win the championship because, as we see in basketball, if there's a different team in the matchup, then a lot of different things happen in the game. And I don't think both Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant get injured as significantly as they did. So I s- would see the Warriors winning their championship with either healthy Kawhi or, I mean, with either healthy Clay or Kevin Durant or both. And so for me, that really just started the domino fall for Kawhi Leonard, and that was the sports moment of the year for me. You know, we're we're sitting right at 30 minutes, and I realize we're not just wrapping up one year. We're wrapping up a whole decade. So I'm going to put a very impromptu on us, and I, I expect this is going to be very flustered, but I have a few blinks of the decade I want us to go through. First off, I want to start with a very easy one, probably, Team of the Decade. You know, I think this is a really good way to wrap up the last podcast of 2019. And I'll start off, my Team of the Decade, probably, we might all agree on this. It's going to be the New England Patriots, because they were dominant in the first half, they were dominant in the second half. No one else in the NBA and MLB can say that. I think it's just so hard to pick against them. And I'm not going to bring much facts other than, like, it's they've been a dynasty for 20 years now. Um that's my decade of, I mean, the, my team of the decade. How about you guys? Yeah, I agree. Definitely the Patriots for me. They won, I think it's been, two, has it been three Super Bowls this decade? It's three Super Bowls on five appearances. Yeah, and so obviously they lost to the Giants, and I think it was either 2011 or 2012, but yeah, they 20, made. 2011, yeah. Yes, yeah, so they've made, I think it's eight or nine straight conference championships, so dominant in the AFC East, or in, I mean in the AFC East, but also the AFC as a yeah. whole. Uh, I mean, yeah, definitely team of the decade for me in at, in any sport. Yeah, I would agree. Um, just their three championships alone would put them as the team of the decade because I don't believe any team has three championships in the decade, but just their consistent the Warriors. dominance. The Warriors, but that was only the back half of the decade. Yeah, they did I'm have three. Talk about yeah. That yeah. A little bit. They did have three. You are correct. Um, but I feel like that was a shorter dynasty than what we've seen in New England. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh, only yeah. because if of the departure of Kevin Durant, we don't see that same Hampton Five lineup next season, even yep. if they were healthy. Yep. So for me, it's the Patriots as well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can look at the NBA and be like Miami Heat or Golden State, yeah. but if you look at the Heat, they dominated the first half for the most part, and then the second half they've been off and on playoff contenders, not even really like championship contenders. And the Warriors were the same before. They had a few years where they fought and made the playoffs. 
a few where they were close, but like didn't do anything. So I think the Patriots were the easy choice. The only other team you can even look at is the Spurs. They won what one or one? Yeah, I just, think just one. Just this one decade, yeah. but like they've been in the playoffs every year. Yeah, and they made two finals. Um, I, yeah. I think too. Next up, I want to talk about player of the decade again i think we might all have the same player for me it's lebron james he's been so dominant multiple mvps multiple championships um but um for me it's just easy i mean he's my favorite player of all time i argue he could be better this is what i say about the goat debate wow this is going to get off topic but lebron is single-handedly the most talented and best basketball player to grace the court but Michael Jordan is the GOAT because he has the better accomplishments, the more championships. But if you put those two head-to-head, LeBron's a more well-rounded player, in my opinion. So, for me, that's why he's player of the decade. Because, in my opinion, he's player of the century. He's player of the millennium. He is player of the universe, dead or alive. So, And that's across all sports, too. He is a freak of nature. I truly believe he could be an NFL player if he wanted to. Yeah, I mean, obviously, LeBron, he's... One of the best overall athletes that we've ever seen. Obviously, like you said, he could probably be in the NFL if he wanted to right now. So I think he's definitely my athlete of the decade. And then if I just had, just for a second, if I had to pick a second, I might honestly, just to go outside of basketball, I might go with Mike Trout in baseball just because. He's been very dominant. His team hasn't, but yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, so in baseball, they have the stat war, wins above replacement. And he's already got a higher war than Derek Jeter, and he's still 27 years old. And he's been flat out the best baseball player in the decade since he's joined the league. I think every year except one, he's finished top two in MVP voting. He's already won three MVPs, and he's been far and away the best player in the MLB since he's come into the league. And I think it was 2010 or 2011. So I think LeBron definitely my number one. But if I had a number two, Mike Trout might be it for me. It it sucks that the Angels haven't been able to build a team. Exactly. They've tried it kind of. Pool holes and Josh Hamilton did yeah. not work out. And, th- and that's the thing with baseball, too, where it's not like you can have LeBron and no matter what, his team will probably be a playoff team. That is true. You need, I mean, you're just one guy in a lineup that gets three or four at-bats a game. And even if you have the best pitcher in the game, he pitches once every four or five yeah, days. I, I feel like in basketball, the best player can be 80% of the team's success. Exactly. Where I think at baseball, you're capping out at maybe 50 Yeah, you, you need a full roster. Because you need a very full roster, and they have to work together. And it's it's just so hard. But Mike Trout yeah. is honestly a very – I would have never thought of Mike Trout, but that's such a good thing. Yeah, and, and he'll go down as one of the best baseball players, yes, if not the best by he, the time it's all said and done. He deserves to. He definitely deserves and Especially to. that contract he got too. So for me, um, I'm going to go with LeBron James as well, only because of his seven or eight straight finals we saw from between Cleveland, Miami, back to Cleveland. We saw him miss the finals last year, but that just doesn't take away from his dominance of the decade. Um, no, I don't see him as dominant as um, you see him in terms of better than Michael Jordan, but that's a topic for a later debate. That might um, be a future yes. podcast. I yeah. love that um, idea. We spent a few hours on that. But if I had to pick a runner-up, I would go with Steph Curry. That was my runner-up as well. Only because of the way that he changed the game. Um, his dominance from three-point really made teams adapt and look for that three-point shooting because they couldn't beat him without adapting. It wasn't something that, oh, we're going to load the paint and stop. Like, he was, there's so much room in that court when he opened it up. And I, I think that he really changed the game. We talked about it earlier with the three of the last, or three of five championships for them. And so it's just, he was really dominant, but I don't, wouldn't take that away from LeBron James. Now, I want to go move of the decade. I feel like these are going to be very booking choices. I mean, really, what it came down to me was LeBron going to Miami at the beginning or. Kawhi going to the Clippers just months ago at the end of the decade. And for me, because I am a Heat fan, I wasn't huge into basketball before LeBron's time on the Heat, but I was still a Heat fan then because that little flame on their jersey was really cool, and I like to win Wade. That's truly what made me a Heat fan. And so then one of the best basketball players, and now granted, like I was so little of a basketball fan before that year that like I really did not know LeBron James' name that well. Um, and then he just comes in and he's just, I'm like, wow. And so because I think because it was a move to my favorite team and he's became my favorite athlete of all time. I mean, I, I could truly see him dedicate himself at any sport and become a professional at it. 
And I think that's true of Michael, too. I absolutely do love Michael as well. And granted, I think he was a great baseball player. I mean, not MLB great, but a very good baseball player and all that stuff. So for me, just because of that move, part of it being my favorite team, the winning two championships, um, it set up his next move of going back to Cleveland, which was beautiful. I just I think it's harder because Kawhi is so like I don't like it's not that I don't like Kawhi but because Kawhi is so unpersonable in my opinion because he's like almost a robot um and who knows maybe he won't ever die maybe he is a robot and he'll play NBA basketball for the rest of his life and we will be so confused um but I just think I think it's hard to pick against that move because I don't think you see everything like the trades that have been demanded these past few years or the moves you've seen with Kevin Durant going to the Warriors and Kawhi going to the Clippers you think of like these big name players staying for the most part where they're drafted or um and doing like trying to do it where now it's like who's gonna build a super team where just he changed the NBA um landscape before Steph did in a completely different way not on the court but off the court so for me, I think it, it's going to be Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, just leaving the Thunder after losing that three to one series. He he really made this. He went. He made the Warriors from a super team to probably the best team of all time, just best lineup overall. I mean, when you have four potentially five All Stars at Hampton Five lineup, it's as good as it gets. And obviously, they lost that last year to the to the Raptors due to injuries, probably. But we saw what they did to the Cavs. I think one year they went. It was either sixteen and one or sixteen and zero in the playoffs. They swept the Cavs, and then they beat them 4-1. to one. They dominated those next two years. And then if Kevin Durant, I think if he doesn't go down last year in the finals, he probably they probably end up winning the NBA finals. So I think that move is the biggest of the decade for I, me. I want to argue, and not argue, wow. I want to piece in on why I could not even accept that move as move of the decade. Granted, it was a huge move, but like for me, I just didn't pick it due to the fact that that Warriors team is a dynasty one way or the other. People don't think about this, but if they didn't get KD, Harrison Barnes was playing the best basketball he has played in his NBA career, and he's still a great player, even though he's been on the Mavs and the Kings since then. Um, so for me, I just think that team was so high of a level that that moved in it. It only solidified them. I, I don't think it changed too much in the NBA. So like I, I'm not saying you picked a bad move at all. I just... I meant to talk about this when I was talking, but I got slightly sidetracked by X, Y, and Z. Um, I just don't think it changed the landscape enough. Yeah, I just think that after the year before, there were some questions whether like LeBron could could he do this every year and really beat this this superpower team? And I understandable, mean, yeah. Chances are probably not, but just getting KD as you said solidified them as okay. They're going to win the finals the next two and maybe yeah. even a third year. I see those two as great moves. Um, but I'm going to go a little bit off the cusp here and just go with a different move. Um, I'm going to go with the um, St. Louis Rams trade um, for what ended up being Robert Griffin III. So we saw the Redskins give up a their 2012 first-round pick, 2012 second-round pick, and their 2013 first-round pick, and their 2014 first-round pick. That's three first-round picks for RG3, who <coughs> obviously he looks great coming out of college and – Heisman, like, finalist and great player out of Baylor. I think that pick was very justifiable at the time. Yeah, it was very justifiable at the time, but we saw that move lead a Redskins team down a path that they're still stuck in, and they haven't had success in this decade at all because of that trade. And now we see a Rams team that is off of a Super Bowl win or a Super Bowl appearance last year, and – they have a shot this year. They're eight and five, and I think they will get a playoff spot. They're and getting have a chance hot. To, yeah. to compete. But I think that that really, the, obviously, the MVA moves were great, and like you said, with LeBron, changed the landscape of free agency, and KD put the Warriors over the top. But I think that for me, the this NFL trade is really significant because we saw two teams go in dramatically different directions after this trade. No, I I like that. That was very you did you did some research while we were talking. It seemed like because that's definitely not something anyone pulled out of their mind. But that's a very underrated move. I think NBA moves are so easy to pick here, especially for me because I'm such a huge NBA fan. Um, 
But um, I think that's really underrated because it did change so much for the Rams. The Rams are probably a very average team without <clears throat> that trade, honestly, because I believe that trade's what somehow set up for Jared Goff. I wasn't sure if that pick was from the Redskins. I don't think it was. No. But there was like... The Rams traded up for Jared Goff later. You're right. It was Aaron Donald, though. You're right. It was Aaron Donald. There we go. I knew there was some... Was it? Yeah, it was. It was. He's right. Because I remember reading about this the other... Not the other day, but like sometime recently. One of their pro bowlers last year was from that trade, if not two, if I remember correctly. Um, but anyways, I mean, that's a little bit off topic. Um, I want to go to moment of the decade. And again, you're going to see another basketball bias from me. I think one of, I've thought of a few. One of them's that LeBron signing with the Heat. One of them's LeBron signing with the Cavs, actually, because I think both of those moments were like wow moments. Like I remember, I can tell you exactly where I was. I just woke up, had my friend over. Um, we we were eating breakfast and we had Sports Center on, and it's like, yo, LeBron just announced he's going back to the Cavs. Like that is like one of those moments that I will always remember. I was eating Honey Nut Cheerios and we went over to my other friend's house. I was trying to get into basketball, which. Never ended up working out. And we talked about that with my best friend that did not care about sports. My friend, I was trying to get into sports and one of their older brothers, which loved basketball as well for like an hour. So that move was huge. And that's why I can see as moment of the decade. But the one I'm going to pick on the field, on the court, there it came down to two. Auburn's kick six just because, I mean, I can even... In both of these moments, one thing that makes me think is if I can hear the announcer doing the call, part of it being I want to be a sports announcer myself, be a sports broadcaster, and so I can hear that kick six call, especially the radio version that they always replay over CBS's, probably partially because I'm watching ESPN and they don't want to give credits to CBS. But also, I want to say, can either of you guys guess what my true moment of the sport is? The Kyrie. Close. I thought about that, but just because Kyrie is a... Oh, the Ray Allen shot? It's Ray Allen. Game six. And then not even that, but also overtime with the Chris Bosh block on Danny Green to seal that game. That's one of the best games of the decade. That, I will... I'm probably going to go to bed smiling now just thinking (laughs) about that game. I love it so much. There's so many, like, great moments of the decade. Sports make these great moments in general, but I just think... I think that one because I'm sitting there as a 12-year-old being like, oh, no, they got the ropes out. The Spurs are going to win. I'm, like, literally almost in tears. Like, I love the Heat so much that any time that they lost a championship. I mean, I was so blinded by how much was going wrong in that last year of LeBron that, like, I was in shock when the Spurs just handled them and probably cried after game five. But that moment, I was just like, I'm going to be Ray Allen one day. I was, like, so excited. I was running around. And then the only other one that really even from a different sport that I can even think of is Malcolm Butler's pick in Super Bowl 49. I remember because at the time I really would have called myself a Patriots fan. I ran around my house three times. My house was ran so I could run a loop in it pretty much. Um, I picked up the dog. And we ran, I ran with the dog in my hands, like three more loops. I was jumping up and down. My dog was like, what's wrong with this kid? Why does he like sports so much? But it comes down to, it's got to be that Ray Allen shot. I just picture everything. Mike Green yelling, bang. It's now kind of my catchphrase during high school sports. I always yelled bang whenever we had a clutch shot, which sadly was not very often. Um, But just that moment. I'm literally going to go to bed smiling because of it, and that wouldn't be true of any other moment this decade. So there's a bunch for me. I think the kick six is definitely up there for me. I remember <clears throat> I was in a restaurant eating dinner with a with another family and my family, and just seeing everyone turning to the TV saying, what the heck just happened? I walked but- <clears throat> in to literally watch the kick six. I had just came home from a friend's house, so I walked in, and it was on the TV, and I was like, <clears throat> Why are they watching Auburn, Alabama? It's because it was a close game. And, like, the field goal gets missed. I see the guy run back. I'm like, wow. So, yeah, that's – I. Uh, the, this is what I love about sports is these moments. Like, we remember them so clearly. Yeah. I'm sorry. I totally just took over again. So then the other ones might have a little bias, but ju- they're just moments that I'll never forget. So one of them is the Luke May game winner against Kentucky in the Elite Eight in uh, 2017 – that or I think it was it was either 2016 or 2017 that ended up 
helping North Carolina win the national championship. I'll just never forget that entire March Madness because I'm a big North Carolina fan. Just, just sitting on that couch, I refused to move as a superstition. And just when he hit that shot, I just let all my emotions out. And I, I was screaming for at least a minute straight. And then another one is the 2018 wild card game between the Yankees and the Oakland A's at Yankee Stadium. Me and my friends all got tickets last minute to go to that game. And we were in the bleachers, and it was the bottom of the first inning, and Aaron Judge was up, and he hit a home run about 10, 15 feet away from us. And we all just wow. lost our minds. We started jumping on each other, jumping on all these other Yankee fans. Everyone threw their drinks everywhere. There was food everywhere flying. And we ended up getting on TV. We got all these texts and, and videos people sending us of us on TV. That's awesome. So that's a moment I'll never forget. But the number one for me is going to be the Derek Jeter walk-off uh, base hit in his last game. Oh, yeah. Because Jeter, he was always my favorite Yankee growing up. We have the same birthday, too, so that helps. But he's he's my favorite Yankee of all time, probably my favorite baseball player of all time. And just to see him go out like that was one of the best moments of the decade for me. So for me, I had um, I actually have three as well. Uh, my first two would be the Malcolm Butler interception as well. Um, I think that was really just such an an interesting play because you have Marshawn Lynch in the backfield and they choose to run the ball from the two yard line and obviously that lost them the Super Bowl and really changed that defense and the dynamic in Seattle. They're starting to get back to that now um, later in the decade, but it changed that for a few years. It did. Um, Another moment of the decade for me would be LeBron's chase down um, dunk in Ooh, the. I didn't even uh, think yeah. about in the, that in the final final game of the 2017 Finals against the Warriors, and that was the one time <laughs> that he did come through and beat them. I thought that was really significant because, as Harrison talked about earlier in the podcast, they're one of the greatest teams of all time. This team that he beat didn't have KD, but they were still a 72 win team and or a 73 win team and. A really dominant team but for me um, the number one sports moment of the decade would be um, the back and forth between UNC and Villanova in the national oh, championship game like, yeah because page or Marcus page is not supposed to hit that shot that was a double clutch really erratic shot because they had a little time left and then through their celebration, there was no timeout called. They throw the ball full court to Chris Jenkins, and he makes the shot. Just a really exciting game. And like you guys talked about, like we were watching this live. I'm picturing. Just like, yeah. I cried. Yeah, it, it's, I cried it was a just lot that a night. Like I'm not a fan of either of those two teams, but it was really incredible to watch. And just that like back and forth in the final few seconds of the game. Yeah, these moments that make you like think of certain things. Like now I'm thinking of the viral video of the security guard where you see him looking up at the scoreboard as Chris Jenkins hits his shot. He just goes, oh, like, dang, that was cold-blooded. Like, this is what sports really are meant for. Like, those, uh, all of these moments, like, I think every single moment, not the baseball moments, just because I really <laughs> don't care about baseball all that much, I can tell you exactly where I was, what I was doing. And, like, I just uh, this is why sports are great. This is a great way to wrap up the year. Um, I that's all I have for us. I want to say thank you to the listeners. Thank you to WSOE um, for letting us use their studio, giving us this great equipment, and um, even some donuts today. That was really nice of you. Um, but thank you guys for listening. We will be back at the beginning of 2020, um, early uh, early January. We hope you have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Yes, thank you for listening. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for listening. Have a good New Year.